0: Hello baseball fans, welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, it is now the 12th day of December 2016. I'm your host Paul Francis Sullivan, please call me Sully. I am recording this from a makeshift Sully Baseball studio in New York, New York, the home of of, well, (laughs) let's face it, the Yankees, the Mets, and a lot of baseball memories. Uh, Your pal Sully's back in New York, and I'm going to be doing a whole week of shows from New York City. Uh, I've taped some of them already, and some I'm going to lay out later on. Uh, I'm here uh, for reasons other than the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, but since I'm here, hey, let's experience this, let's have some fun, let's... Talk about some New York baseball stuff, and I'm going to be taking you on a little baseball trip all across the city. Here, I've not been to New York as often as uh, as often as I'd like, quite frankly. I'm I lived in New York for for many many years. I lived my college years here, my stand-up comedy years here. met my wife here. My kids were born here, and then I moved. To California and I've been in California for basically the last 11 years but it just seems strange. It seems strange when you come back to a place where you know I associate with one particular point in my life and there's sometimes I'm walking around and I'm automatically I feel like nothing's changed I'm, I'm still in my mid-20s living here and everything like that and then sometimes you turn the corner ah, that, that's different that looks pretty different right now and that sense of timelessness that comes in New York. That sense that there's some parts here that exist forever, frozen in time, and other parts are completely malleable. So I'm here. Uh, it snowed a little bit today. I'm in my hotel room, which is slightly bigger than an iPhone. And I just want to savor my time being in New York City at Christmas time. And there's no better time to be here than Christmas time, believe me. So we're talking a little bit about New York and talk a little bit about New York baseball. And I, I'm I'm gonna focus a little bit on the Yankees right now. And my Met fan friends, uh forgive me, I'll I'll talk about the Mets a little bit later. But I want to talk a little bit about one of the strategies that the Yankees are having. Um the the, the Red Sox obviously made a big push to repeat as American League East central champions by signing or by trading for Chris Sale and while they will it'll take a lot to replace the offense left by the retirement of David Ortiz uh, uh, the pitching staff is going to be phenomenal and I think that the Red Sox are as solid a team in the AL East as you have now the New York Yankees are a team that did something last year which was very smart. and I think probably something they should have done a couple of years before, but they they did they did what they had to do and they made several trades, including um, dealing away Carlos Beltran, and Andrew Miller and Aroldis Chapman. Now they re-signed Aroldis Chapman, and the less I'm going to say about that in this show, the better. I, I I've been not exactly subtle about my thoughts about Aroldis Chapman and the fact that he is now re-signed with the Yankees. Uh, on paper, it's uh, it means all the prospects they got for Rollis Chapman was for in exchange for nothing except uh, a rental by the Cubs. Um, I, I I tell you what I you know what I think about him personally. Uh, the the idea that a closer like him will be still an elite closer in five years is strange. I think the strangest part about it is the fact that the Yankees have made what I think is a very smart decision, and that is to not necessarily go for it in 2017. And when I say by not necessarily go for it, there have been many instances of teams, and the 2013 Red Sox are certainly an example of it, of a team which on the surface looked like they were either rebuilding, retooling, or taking a step back to take two steps forward, only to surprise everyone on the planet and turn around and have a wonderful season. You know, it is possible to do that, and then you could look up and say, hey, uh, all of a sudden the Dede the Gregoriuses and the Aaron Hicks of the world will turn around and have spectacular seasons for the Yankees, and they wind up winning the World Series. Is it possible? Sure, it's possible. Is it likely? No, it's not likely. But they're going off and saying they're not going to trade the farm away for Chris Sale. They're not going to trade the farmway for Adam Eat. They're not going to go out and try to bring in Rich Hill. That they're going to see what they've got. As we saw several players from the Yankees either retire, get traded off, they replenish the farm system. And I think it's a very smart move. I've not been one to praise Brian Cashman, the general manager of the Yankees, often. But I think this is a very smart move. When you take a look and you say, okay, Aaron Judge, okay, there's um, Gary Sanchez. You could make an argument that Gary Sanchez should have won Rookie of the Year. I don't know if I would have, but he certainly was at a spectacular last third of the season. That you put together the new team, the new Yankee team, the new core that to, to, to build a team around, and intelligently try to build up the farm system as well just take a quick look at the top prospects the Yankees have some of them were brought in via the trades in midseason. is it Gleyber Torres I don't know he's he's was brought in in the Rollins Chapman trade Clint Frazier Justice Sheffield these are three of their top prospects who were brought in in other words they are looking to build from within and not just build so they have a young team but also have the chips to use to make the trades that could be you know, best needed when they're within striking distance the fact that the Red Sox were able to part with one of the best prospects in baseball and still have one of the best young outfields in baseball and a lot of talent going for the, their bid to repeat as division champions shows one of the advantages of having a deep farm system now This shows a little bit of a change of strategy of what people tend to think with the Yankees in terms of all their big budget spending and everything like that. But the fact of the matter is their most successful times that they've had in recent years have been when they have built a foundation from within, used their great resources to keep them together, and sprinkle the free agents in from here and there and salary dumps from here and there in order to... Know, to, in order to strengthen the roster, and you saw they had some great success. In two thousand nine, admittedly, they did have a big, huge spending spree when they brought in uh, Tashera, and they brought in CeCe Sabathia, and they brought in who was the other one that they brought in? They brought in uh, AJ Burnett. And laugh all you want about that. AJ Burnett very was a he won one of the biggest games that the Yankees had, which was that. Uh, World Series Game Two. He doesn't win that game, then the Yankees are still looking at no World Series titles since 2000. And there seems to be kind of a predominant thought process about what the Yankees are doing. They'll bring in a player like Matt Holliday as a short-term fix, or uh, they'll have you know Tyler Clippard will be in there. And he's not there for a long time. So he's there to, you know, to fill in a couple of holes. They have Masahiro Tanaka signed through 2020. They have Starling Castor signed through 2019. And then they have uh, Sabathia's contract expires after this year. Chase Headley's contract was, was expires after 2018. Brett Gardner's contract also expires after 2018. So essentially after 2018 they'll only have long-term commitments, expensive long-term commitments, to Tanaka and Ellsbury and Starling Castro. And most of the other players who are under contract uh, are not, even, are just going to be ar- arbitration eligible. In other words, the Yankees are going to not sign long-term deals now, with the exception of Chapman. And see that in 2019, the floodgates will be open for a gigantic spending spree. And that spending spree just happens to coincide with a free agent class that includes the likes of Bryce Harper, that includes the likes of Josh Donaldson, could possibly include, if they opt out of their contract, the likes of David Price, the likes of Clayton Kershaw. And All of those players with opt-outs, knowing the Yankees are going to have a ton of money to spend, are inevitably going to opt out. And there is that attitude that exists right now amongst the Yankees and their front office and everything like that, that this is going to be their great strategy. They're not necessarily going for it for the next few years, but... Once they clear up enough payroll and some of these young players that I just was talking about begin to blossom, it takes two or three years for them to blossom, they'll blossom just in time for them to put in uh, Clayton Kershaw and Bryce Harper, and they'll start bringing the magic in the world championships back to the New York Yankees. Now, I know this is cross sports reference I'm about to make right now, and it's not necessarily apples to apples, here in the Big Apple, no less. But I'm staying in a hotel right down this, right on uh, 22nd and Eighth Avenue. Right up the street is Madison Square Garden, and I firmly remember the arrogance that took place amongst Nick fans for years and years and years and years and years. And years. That what they're going to do is they're going to lay back, try to develop. And eventually, when LeBron James becomes a free agent, he's going to come to the Knicks and lead the Knicks to greatness. And that was just talked about as if it was a foregone conclusion. And it didn't necessarily happen. Just like we have the foregone conclusion that those big free agents are going to wind up signing with the New York Yankees. And it's not necessarily going to happen. And, of course, Bryce Harper asked for, you know, Ten years, four hundred million dollars from the Nationals. And yeah, ask for that. Why not? Because if they do, if they sign it, say, like, great, I now have I'm gonna make nearly half a billion dollars playing for the Washington Nationals. The Nationals won't ever have to worry about Harper's contract or him leaving, they'll have to worry about how they make payroll. And there are other players like, you know. Kershaw and Josh Donaldson as I said, all these are great difference makers we're assuming they're going to continue to be great difference makers in a few years and we're going to assume that a team like the Dodgers won't pony up for them we're assuming that the Cubs won't pony up for one we're assuming that the red Sox. we're assuming that some other team out of nowhere could say hey we we found enough change in the cushions a of the time that the texas rangers outbid everybody to bring in alex rodriguez or sometimes it may be another another team that sort of strange arrogance that this is how it's going to work we're going to develop these players and one of these big superstars will inevitably come here i mean is that plan a It's a strange thought that they're going to try to bank on 2019 as the year where everything comes together. Now, as I said, with 2009, sometimes you can have a big spending spree and things work out, as what happened with the Yankees in 2009. Maybe it'll happen with the Red Sox this year. Who knows? But sometimes you have a spending spree and it falls in people's faces. Look at the Red Sox in 2011. Look what happened with the the Florida Marlins. For years, I heard the Florida Marlins were going to wait till they get into their new ballpark. They'll get their new owner. They'll get their or they get the new, they didn't get the new owner. So they get the new manager. Everything would line into place, and everyone, including your pal Sully, thought the Marlins were lined up. They they spent big on free agents. They brought in superstars. They had a whole new culture. All of a sudden, Miami was going to become a brand new superpower team. Whoops! It doesn't always happen like that. It doesn't always work like that. Now, it's good for the baseball bottom line to have the Yankees be good. It just is. You look historically, great peaks and valleys that happened in baseball history and baseball attention, it's good to have the Yankees be good. It's good to have the Yankees be a championship caliber team because people enjoy rooting against them. They're very easy bad guys to have. Not just as a Red Sox fan, I know Red Sox were the bad guys now. The Red Sox are doing what people accuse the Yankees are doing, trying to buy another championship. Notice I said another. In the last four years, in Obama's entire second term, the Yankees played one playoff game. One. The wild card game in 2015, of which they were shut out. They haven't scored a postseason run since they were swept in the ALCS in 2012. Three of the last four years, including this last year, they just did not participate in the postseason. And the Yankees, if they do not win the American League pennant in 2017, 2018, or 2019, they will go 10 years, they will go a full decade if you start the decade at zero and ending it at nine, they will go a full decade without even playing in the World Series for the first time in a hundred years. Because it was the nineteen tens was the last time they they went through an entire decade from you know zero to nine. That's how I judge my decades without a World Series appearance. And I started thinking about this as well because you know Sabathia is not going to come back. They're going to let him walk, and there's been talk of you know at least on MLB trade rumors, one of the greatest websites in the history of the planet Earth, that uh, Brett, Gardner is, Brett Gardner is available via trade. It makes sense. It's you know there are a lot there's a glut of outfielders out there. Someone might want to. You, know, you could fill in his production from somewhere else. Maybe he's a viable trade trip, I don't know. But even if he sticks around, and Sabathia walks after the 2017 season, and Gardner walks after the 2018 season, there's very strong possibilities, especially if Gardner gets traded, that this season could end, and you go into 2018 with not one single player on the roster having won a World Series as a member of the Yankees. Now stop and think about that. Isn't that what's supposed to be the the given that you go to Yankee Stadium, you you become a Yankee with a hope to win a championship? We could go an entire decade without them even appearing in a World Series, and in a couple of years have not one player on the team with a Yankee World Series rank. That's a phenomenon that hasn't happened since the beginning of the 1996 season. The 1996 Yankees team that that broke camp had zero players who had won a World Series title as a member of the Yankees. And they wound up winning the World Series that year. I was taking a look back. You know, Sabathia and Gardner are the final remaining world champion Yankees on this team. The last time you could look at a Yankee team and see that few, you know, you know the, the, those hanging-on champions was in 1988-1989. The Yankees won the World Series in 1978, and by 1988, two players remained, Ron Guidry and Willie Randolph. And they were both gone after the 1988 season, and then midway through the 1989 season, Rich Gossage was picked up after he was dropped from the Cubs, and he finished out the season as a member of the Yankees. It's kind of a last gasp. So the last full season by a Yankee who had won a World Series from the 70s were Randolph and Guidry, and then you had the half season with Gossage. Then you went 1990, 91, 92, 93, 94, and into 95 with no Yankee player having won a World Series ring as a Yankee. And we're not far away from being able to say that again about this squad. It's difficult to have a free agent come in and suddenly become the face of the franchise. It has happened. There are precedents for it. I would say Randy Johnson doing that with the Arizona Diamondbacks. I would say that Bonds doing that with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, I, I think you can say Maddox to a degree when he signed with the Atlanta Braves. But it's rare that a free agent comes in and suddenly you have a viable you know, head of you know, face and and, and heart and soul of a franchise, which and I was listening to the great podcast, Sports Without Balls, hosted by a friend of the podcast, Aaron Foley, and she had Alonzo Bowden on, and he made the great sense that the great point that there's nobody you look at with this Yankee team and say that's their guide. This is who the team is. Could wind up being Sanchez, could wind up being one of these young kids. But you better hope it does. You better hope these aren't overhyped prospects. You better hope that they come through. And one of them has to come through more than just being a nice, solid player. They have to be the identity of the Yankees. Because right now their identity is of what? What's their identity? They're not hateable. I mean, who hates Tanaka? Who hates Sabathia? But they're also not that great a team. I think they'll have a winning record. Hell, they may contend for a wild-card spot. But they need one of these players to start to check in and be the face of the franchise. Is it going to be Gary Sanchez? I think it's too early to say something like that. But I also think it may be a little too much to lean in and say, okay, now this is Bryce Harper's team. Now this is Clayton Kershaw's team. I don't think it always works out like that. I've seen enough examples where that falling and and blow up in someone's face. Just look at the twenty eleven Red Sox if you don't believe me. Just look at the super team that the Angels were putting together with Pujols, with Hamilton, with CJ Wilson, all this, and now they're they're a mess. The idea, the arrogance of well, we're just have these cut prospects come through and then ready to sign up and gobble up all the free agents. It's a dangerous strategy. It's one where a lot of pieces have to work together and fit. So, you know, we could look up and be not too far from saying, yeah, the Yankees win the World Series every year, except this decade. And nobody on the team has won a ring for the World Series, a World Series ring as a member of the Yankees. We're not there yet, but we're not that far. I'm not saying this to be a Red Sox fan gloating about the fact that my team is in better shape than the Yankees. Baseball is more interesting with good Yankee teams, but there has to be a team that the fans can cling to and connect to. It doesn't necessarily have to be a homegrown player, but it's tough. I've seen it here. It's tough to take the player and say, okay, you are now, you outsider are now leading this New York team. I've seen it eat up certain players, even players who came through, like Dave Winfield and, and A-Rod. Sometimes they come through and the fans still don't get behind them. So we're entering interesting territory with the Yankees right now. As I'm sitting here on this kind of chilly night in New York, I can't help but wonder if this public strategy of "Eh, hang in there and just wait for the big free agent offers, you know, and, and the big free agent stars is banking a little too much on the money bags and the people coming in transplanted, ready to be a hero. I don't know the answer to that neither do you but one thing I do know is I'm going to be doing a podcast every single day including a bunch coming up here from New York so go to SullyBaseball.com like me on Facebook where so I've been iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere the music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky I swear this isn't me trashing the Yankees I swear it's me just saying it's a risky way to rebuild to say we're just going to get the young kids and then when they're great we'll bring in the big guns You gotta expect the young kids to develop, and you gotta think the big guns have to fit. So with all that in mind, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the twelfth day of December, twenty sixteen. I'm your host Paul Francis Sullivan. I'm always rebuilding, and you can call me Sully.